I heard somebody say once, you know, you can do anything you want to as long as you can live without those decisions. Problem was, you know, I was not able, I was so uncomfortable not being honest about what was going on with me. And I felt like a fraud and I felt no longer did I feel free anymore. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you're all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Greetings from Studio AA deep in the heart of Texas. That there was the voice of Sarah G again that you heard on this here episode number 271 of Sober Speak. And we are going to hear so much more from her in just a moment. But first things first. This here episode is brought to you by Jared and Laura and Tammy and Brad. What did they do? Well, Jared and Laura and Tammy and Brad went to our website, www.soberspeak.com. Dot com. They clicked on the little yellow donate tab and they made a contribution, a donation. Thank you so much, Jared and Laura and Tammy and Brad for helping us keep the virtual lights on. This here episode is coming right out to you. Let me just put a little uh, social stuff here on the front end of this one and also tell you about our website real quick, and we will get right on in to Sarah G. So if you are not following us on, not following us, if you are not part of the Super Secret Facebook group, you can go to Facebook and look up Sober Speak Secret Group, ask for admission in to the group and we will get you on in there. If you're not following us on Instagram, we're at Sober Speak, all one word. And we are even on Pinterest. The lovely Cassandra keeps that up. And that is at Sober Speak on Pinterest. If you want to follow us there. And I actually have things on Twitter, but I quite honestly, I just don't check it too much. That's a sober underscore speak. Uh, But we are out there on Twitter. I just haven't quite figured out how to wrap my arms around that. I get questions all the time asking me, John, you have so many episodes, 271. Which episode should I listen to first? Well, 
We have a list on our website. Uh, if you go to www.soberspeak.com and then you click on the tab that says top episodes. This is not really the top effort episodes from a judgment perspective. It's just the most listened to episodes. And I think actually one year I did send out an email and people voted on the top episodes. But anyway, you can go there and uh, pick out uh, pick out some episodes from that list. All right. Now on to Sarah G. This is Sarah G part two. We uh, had some fun and a lot of good discussion last time with Sarah G on part one. You can go back and listen to that at your leisure. Uh, but this one is called changing a sobriety day. So we left off last week with Sarah's, I guess you call it a ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> where she burnt her big book in a fire pit because she had decided with the help of a professor friend of hers that AA was indeed a cult. Uh, if you remember, however, she was drunk and slurring her words while filming this uh, ceremony. <laughs> So last week was really just the beginning of her journey into recovery. And this week we finish up. Sarah discusses what it means to change a sobriety date in sobriety in Alcoholics Anonymous and uh, how gut-wrenching that experience can be and much, much more. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Sarah G. And we will have plenty of... Listener feedback at the end of this here episode. Enjoy, Sarah. <laughs> okay. By the way, I just have to ask you. I, I when we started this today, I could tell you were very nervous, or it, it seemed like you were. Maybe you weren't, but I've I've seen you many times, and your face was, you know, it just looked like you were like, oh no, what am I getting myself into here? But you've really lightened up. So is this like anything like you thought it was going to be? Uh, I think it's a it's a better than I thought it was going to be. I think it's more comfortable. I feel more comfortable. Like okay. easy. It's feel like it's easy talking easy, to right, you. So. Right. It's just we're having like like I told you before. It's like we're having a conversation yeah. over coffee or whatever. Okay. All right. So, uh, so, so I keep getting you off track with these you know crazy questions. So, <laughs> all right. So, oh, you, you said you were going to back up. And you were gonna. You wanted to tell me about your experience with being engaged to this guy, and I think we were gonna go forward from there. Do you have any idea why we were talking about that? <laughs> okay, I think you would ask me about. Um, this is. Well, I don't. I don't know. That's all right. Sure. This we, is we real podcasting, yeah. folks. <laughs> and I, you know, sometimes I go back and edit this stuff out, but I'm not going to edit that out. I just, I kind of like it when it gets real, like, like when my my kids walk in and stuff like that. But anyway, all right. So let's go forward. So you are now. You've had your second child. <laughs> um, we already talked about being a little overwhelmed. <laughs> Uh, so take me forward from when you had your second child. Okay. So, um, after having him, I, um, immediately got six weeks on this to the day I got my um, tubes tied because I didn't want to have any more children. And, um, they, they prescribed me some pain medication. Is six weeks, the recommended time where you can get the tubes tied. Is that how That's it works? what my physician said was the very first day that they could do it. Cause, cause I could have sworn with my wife, they said, well, she had a C-section though. Uh, they, they could do it all like at the same time, like a combo platter, basically. <laughs> 
<laughs> so anyway, but nonetheless, uh, it has nothing to do with recovery. So you get your tube tied six weeks, and then what? And they prescribed me some pain medication for that surgery, and I really didn't get off the pain medication for a long time after that. Uh, okay. So. So. So, so and, and talk to me about also your relationship with like alcohol and drugs and, you know, pain meds and all that sort of stuff. Like, has there always been like a, a go-to for you? Do you feel like one is more prevalent than others? I know you experienced a lot of things, especially when you're in, in that hotel, but talk to me about that. So I think to me, what has always been the scariest to me and the most dangerous has been the alcohol because the way that I drink, um, drank in the past was just beyond anything I I could imagine. It was so out of control and so disgusting and dangerous and that it was really, really, really scary. And I think that's one of the reasons that I started to try other things because I was so out of control when I drank that I was afraid I was going to die. Okay. Um, so I, you know, I turned to pills and other types of drugs. I mean, I would, I would try anything, you know, to change the way I felt anything. Yeah. Okay. Let's go back to the six weeks again. So six weeks, okay. you have the tubes tied. You don't, uh, you get it, you start taking more pain pills than mm -hmm. prescribed. What happens from there? So then, you know, this was the time sort of when they started kind of cracking down on prescriptions mm -hmm. and they weren't as easy to weren't as quick to prescribe uh, narcotics anymore. And so I didn't know how I was going to get them. And I ended up doing some research and finding out that you could order anything you wanted to off the dark web. Oh, this is interesting. So like I, you know, so I've heard of the dark web. I've never had to find it myself. So how <laughs> like, just curious, how do you find the dark it, web? Do you I mean, type in dark web? It, no, it took me about two weeks to figure everything out. Okay. I don't want to go into that because okay. I, I don't want, you know. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah, and we don't want people doing it right. either. But somehow, somewhere, you found the dark web. And you're sharp with computers and all that sort of stuff. So it took you two weeks, though, mm -hmm. to get to the bottom of it. So you find the dark web, and then what? And essentially what happened was I started getting pure fentanyl delivered to my front door wow wow um my goodness i didn't even i i i, I didn't even know that was possible okay so you're getting the fentanyl delivered to your front door mm -hmm. does your and, and you're married at this mm -hmm. time right does your husband know this is going no. on? okay um all right so at some point, I think there was a, a breaking point there mm -hmm. with your your husband, and I think he came home at one point and yeah. talked to me about that. So I, you know, I had multiple overdoses, um, and and how old are your kids at this time? They're they're babies. Okay. I mean, they're still really really young. Okay. Um, and essentially what happened was he came home and I was underneath, um, laying underneath my son's high chair. Um, and th my eyes were rolling back in my head and I was turning blue. And um, my other son was just, the other baby was just crying. Um, and he filmed the whole, this whole thing. So I've, I've seen it numerous times, but, um, and Basically, what happened was I was sweeping underneath his chair, his high chair, after I fed him, and um, I overdosed. And he found me underneath his high chair. 
Any idea how long you were there? I'm not sure. Okay. I understand. All right, so he finds you. You're under the high chair. Uh, what happened after that? What, I mean, did y'all, did you separate? Did you get into recovery? What What's going on now? So, I mean, I, I was so out of control, you know, and so addicted to drugs that um, my mom came in town. She took me to the hospital and I still had some, some of the stuff left over and um, sitting there in the waiting room with her, go to the bathroom. She can't find me. I call, I was on the phone with my therapist at the time and um, she, she, mom said I'd been in the bathroom for a while and she gets a call from my therapist that I, she needs to go find me because I was in the bathroom doing more of what I had just overdosed on at my house and I'd overdosed in the ER bathroom. So I was rushed back um, to the back to a room and they gave me Narcan two or three times. Okay, And Narcan, remind me, that, that is something to help save your life. Yeah, it counteracts an overdose. Okay. From opioids. Okay. It did it. Uh, it worked. It's obviously. yeah. I mean, it saved my life. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, uh, let's just go forward from there. Like, did you end up? Uh, I, I, do, I mean, did the lights come on at that time, or I, what? What? What ultimately got you back on? the road to recovery, if you will. So I think that I was so close to death at that moment, you know, and waking up literally when you said, did the lights come on? I mean, I remember just being awakened from the overdose and just looking up at these bright lights shining down on my face. And I, I just, the first thing that I thought was, Oh my gosh, I almost left my two little boys without a mother. And, um, it was just surreal and but addiction is so powerful you know because just a few seconds after that i thought i hope that they didn't find what was still in my my purse right so i mean you have this you know duality of within us you know of 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 what we know is the right thing and you know and the addiction okay so all right so I know that there was a uh, there was a point there to where you ended up getting back in the programs. I think you said I'm going to do whatever it is I need just to to uh, get my sons back. But I, I, I'm fuzzy on what happened. Okay, so that point um, that. so right after that, um, basically not long after that, my husband and I were kind of having major problems i he wanted me to get sober i wasn't quite ready yet and and was he sober at the time also he was sober and um you know basically what he said was you either go get help or you need to move move on you know because he wanted me to be sober and so i ended up checking into a facility because of that you know I, i didn't want to be there but I really didn't have any other option at that time. So that's what I did. And I think finally going there, you know, getting away from it long enough to realize that I had these two little boys and they needed me and I needed to be, you know, there for them and be a part of their lives and be able to take care of them. And I wasn't, I wasn't near that at this point. And so 
I think for the first time that moment of clarity hit me that um, you are a mom now and um, I was willing to at that point to, to do whatever it took to be there for them. So what was whatever it took? What 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 kind of? Uh, uh, I'm sure there was you know legal pieces of this, mm-hmm. uh, and then your personal journey. What what was going on during that time? Yeah. So um, while I was in treatment, um, my husband at the time filed for divorce. So we were getting divorced. I, I knew that, and um, you know I had to figure. How did that hit you at the time? I'm just oh, I was. You it was devastating. It was devastating. I didn't think. Uh, when I so I was this treatment center was kind of like up on a hill a little bit in the parking lot to where all the people visitors would come was down at the bottom of this hill and I was sitting up at the top and I saw his truck and I thought oh my gosh he's come to visit me and I was excited so I kind of rushed down to the to the hill and I saw him and I was like something is not right and he handed me this yellow folder uh, and it was divorce papers yeah and it was it was devastating so not only are you thinking about your children and your relationship with them and having to fight for that, and now your husband's coming and he's filing divorce, and um, uh, wow. I, I mean, I could see that in your your emotion and your, your face there when you just described that. So, all right, so you went through all the shock and all of that. Um, then what was the plan next? So... Basically, you know, I had to, with, with my therapist and my support at the, the treatment center, had to figure out what I was going to do when I got out of there. And um, obviously, with the stories that I've just told you, um, it wasn't looking good for me getting out of there and, and being able to be a mom because what he had against me was not not good, you know. Including that video. Exactly. And so I knew that I had a major battle ahead of me um, as far as being able to have them in my life the way that I was hoping to. So I ended up going to sober living um, for three months. I ended up finding a job, um, you know, just starting from the bottom, you know, um, I didn't have much to start with. Um, So I just scraped and, you know, I mean, I just did, did what I needed to do. I worked very, very hard and saved up money and every penny that I made pretty much, you know, went to my fund to, Get, eventually get my kids back illegal fund you yes mean? yeah right and where what are what are your parents doing at this time are they still kind of hands off if you will no no my parents were so at this time too you know my dad got sick with cancer and he was not doing very well and um but i mean he's just my dad in particular is just amazing he would i had to be supervised in a lot of my visits and he would come he would drive two and a half hours to dallas so that he could be there for you know a couple of hours so that i could see them and because he wanted me to be able to see them and just a lot of love and support Oh my goodness. All right. So, so you're jumping through all the hoops. You're putting money into the legal fund. You have the support of your family. Take me through some major milestones during that time. And, and I'm assuming you're staying sober at this point, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. 
staying sober, meetings every day, sponsor, working the steps. I mean, I was doing everything that the treatment center and people in AA were telling me to do. I did it, you know, I did it. And um, just, you know, continued to work and eventually got my own little place. And, um, you know, like I said, I had to go through, jump through a lot of hoops. So, I mean, it started, it started slow. It started like an hour on the weekends. I got my kids and it was two hours on the weekends supervised. Then it was an hour unsupervised and it was two hours unsupervised drug tests every couple weeks. Um, then it was, I could finally have them overnights on the weekends and, and eventually ended up getting back, full custody back of them. Okay, some and so we've already talked about you meeting him. But at some point, Mr. David G comes into the picture mm-hmm. here. Where was he at the beginning of that process? The middle, the end, the middle, the middle, the middle. Okay. So yeah, I met when I met David. Um, when I met David, it was pro- one of the lowest points of my life because I was without my kids, and okay. it, it was just so painful to be separated from them. Okay, so Mr. Bumble. <laughs> comes into the picture while you're uh, in the middle of this. You're in uh, abject pain mm-hmm. from being separated from your children. However, there's some ray of hope because you're sober at this time. Uh, and uh, how long was it before you got? Uh, uh, how long was it before you got your 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 kids back? The f- the full custody. I was about a year sober. Okay. And then uh, I know that obviously he's your husband now, so you guys ended up getting married. Where where was it during that time that y'all got married? So it was about, I was about two years sober when we got married. Okay. All right, so you're two years sober, y'all got married. Um, um, Anything you want to say about that particular area, or I just want to, go on past that or not. I mean, there's there something you want to say. I just want to make sure I don't skip it. Um, I mean, David, you know, David was a rock for me during that period. Um, just such an example of AA of what you have to do every day to stay sober. Um, just so supportive in every single way. There is no way I could have made it through that time without him. It was like a God sent an angel, you know, to be there. And I mean, I just, I can never really put into words the support that I got from him. And he was, as you know, going through some of his own difficulties. Mm -hmm. And I think he feels the same way. In fact, I know he feels the same way about you. So, all right. So you're married to David. uh, And then now I kind of want to get into the, uh, so you've been through a period lately. So you were sober for, Five and a half years. Five and a half years. I didn't realize it was that long. I've known you for quite some time. All right, so you're sober for five and a half years. So take me through, I don't know, you tell me what you want to say about that five and a half years, what happened there, uh, what changed, and why your sobriety date is where it is now. Yeah, so I mean, you know, basically the Reader's Digest version is that, you know, I for the first couple of years, you know, I mean, I was all in just very, very involved in AA and, you know, trying to do exactly what I was supposed to do to stay sober and 
you know, doing all the things that we say to do meetings, sponsorship, praying, meditating, all that stuff, right? Helping others. Um, and that went well for a while, you know. Um, and then basically what happened was I started to get, I was physically sick um, with several different things. Um, I got um, reinfected with Epstein-Barr virus and then uh, was diagnosed with several autoimmune disorders after that that were really life-changing. Right. And, and that just kind of, the, like, that just came on all <clears throat> of the... And- after being sick with the Epstein-Barr virus. Oh, so the Epstein-Barr virus is what pr- prompted yes. all this stuff. Yes. And, and remind me, so I, I'm, I've heard of Epstein-Barr is... It's the virus that causes the monovirus. Ah. So when you have it as a kid, when you have mono as a kid, yes. you always have that virus within you, you know, but it's dormant. Yeah. My daughter has gotten that. Uh, the the mono mm-hmm. and so you're saying that it can like reactivate really yes okay so it reactivated in you and i do you got that like so how do you know it's not just like a bad cold you or, it's a test it, okay. a blood test all right so you go in you get the blood test it's reactivated and then how long after that do, were you diagnosed with the autoimmune diseases at the same time. Oh, at the same time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I, I told my doctor, I was like, something is seriously wrong with me. Please help me to figure it out. And so they ran just tons of tests. I had no clue. I didn't even think Epstein-Barr virus, but she happened to run that test and found that. Found that. Gotcha. that and they can tell, you know, if it's active, if it's been active recent. I mean, it's pretty detailed. So that's when they found out that, um, yes, I had just had a, a, a reinfection of Epstein-Barr. And she said that a lot of times that can cause autoimmune disorders to quote unquote like kind of turn on okay and what were the symptoms you were having that made her you go in and say you've got to you know check me out here something's not right was it fatigue or oh i was exhaustion um i i was i would throw up all the time um i was just my whole body hurt Uh, just like i felt like i had the flu constantly um sore throats uh coughing sometimes um but really, I mean, it was just a lot of, I would throw up all the time. And you're pretty active. You're uh-huh. really active. Uh, and so I'm assuming this was like a distressful, even if you're not active, it'd be distressful. But okay, so you so you get diagnosed with these autoimmune diseases. <laughs> and, uh, and, so, and, and I'm what? in pain all the time, like to the point where I, I was having trouble living my life. Um, and so eventually what happened was I got prescribed some medications, um, some pain medications that at the time, you know, one could argue that I really did need them, but, um, you know, I just got to a place where I was, I felt so hopeless about my physical health and obviously that makes you feel depressed and down. And I just really, you know, didn't know what to do. And I went back to what I had known all along when I was, you know, a teenager and in my twenties which was I needed to change the way I felt and I had access to it. I was prescribed the medication and I started to take more. I actually, first I started to take them closer together than I should have. So my next dose would become earlier and earlier. And then um, gradually I would start, I would increase my dose without the doctor's permission. And, and I was all the while, you know, still maintaining my sobriety in public. So is this like a uh, like a month period, three months, six months? Like how long is this? I would s- probably six months. Six months okay. total. 
And so when you would say your sobriety date, like in meetings or whatever, uh, would you have some sort of second thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, I did. I was very torn about it because I had talked to my um, sponsor at the time, you know, about it. And um, I guess I probably kind of convinced her. um, I mean, I was honest with her, but, you know, convinced her that I didn't need to change my sobriety date. And I got her to sign off on that. And so I felt like I was doing the right thing. I was okay. But the longer, the more and more, the the more time passed and I started to realize that You know, I heard somebody say once, you know, you can do anything you want to as long as you can live with those decisions. Mm. And um, the problem was, you know, I was not able, I was so uncomfortable not being honest about what was going on with me. And I felt like a fraud. And I felt no longer did I feel free anymore. Okay, so at what point then did you, um, I, I guess, start to uh, talk about it and say, you know, there, there's, there's, there's something. At what point did you start to be open about it? I was not open. I mean, I was talking to my therapist about it. Mm-hmm for a while before I, I actually changed my date. I, and I almost every time we spoke, I would tell her that I was very conflicted about this um, for a lot of reasons. And um, it was a really, it was one of the hardest things that I've had to do was to, to change that date. I was so tied to that date and it was a part of my identity. I was so proud of the work that I had done during that time period, um, which, you know, None of that's been taken away from me, right. um, but I felt like it had been, or I felt like it would be, if I disclosed this information. Right, and uh, yeah. So, talk to me then a little bit about the fears that mm-hmm. were wrapped up around the date that. And what was the former date, by the way? It was like it was January seventeenth of two thousand seventeen. Okay. So you have the January 17th, 2017. Uh, You're kind of holding on to that. And the reason that you are is there's fears wrapped around it. I mean, dive a little bit deeper into the fears wrapped around that date, if you would. So, oh, and I said five and a half years. It was four and a half years. Sorry, my math is so terrible. But um, so a lot of the fears I had were, it was a lot of different things. You know, I think it was... A lot of it had to do with my career at the time. I was in substance abuse field and I was, I felt like if everyone knew the truth and I wouldn't have any future, any career, I'd lose my job. I'd lose respect in the, that field. And and then, you know, David and I owned a couple sober living homes and I thought, who's going to want to send anybody to sober living here if one of the owners is just changed their sobriety date? Right. And I felt a lot of shame too about my husband, you know, being sober for so long. Like, would how would he feel about this? You know, was he going to be disappointed in me? Was did was he even going to want to be with me anymore? You know, I mean, I had all kinds of things running through my head. So, talk about that a little. How did how was that discussion with David? So I I told David, and um, what did you tell him? Like, how did like- I I told him the truth? I said, yeah, I need to change my sobriety date. Um, I, I don't, did he sus- 
expect it or know it? Or was I, I mean, he, David knew I was sick, you know, yeah. my friends knew I was not well. And so I think there was sort of like a fine line between is she is she really, really sick? Um, or is this is this still the sickness? Or is this something more? Um, so I don't know, necessarily, I don't think David knew. No. Okay. No. Okay, so you tell him that yes. you're gonna change your is that was that the conversation I need to change my sobriety date or was it uh, okay yeah and then okay take me from there yeah so I you know I told him what I felt like I needed to do and in tears you know um, a lot of shame and guilt about it and I was his response was nothing what I would have expected I mean I don't know why but I mean he was just so supportive and loving and kind about it and and just so encouraging about me doing the right thing so then how did you change your sobriety so then i um i mean i went to a meeting the next meeting i went to and i just picked up a desire chip david didn't know i was going to pick up this chip at this time and i really didn't either to be honest with you um, they just ask if anybody, you know, just like they do every meeting. And I just felt like I wanted to be free again. Yeah. And I felt like the only way I was going to be able to do that was to be just completely honest. Yeah. Despite the fear. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you know, I, I've listened to some guy I, and I, I don't listen to him a lot, but I listened to a guy named Dax Shepard on the, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. podcast and he, there was a podcast he had called Day 7 or something like that, and he described the exact same thing that you're, exact same scenario that you're walking through. And that's that was a reason, that was another reason I wanted to have you on the podcast, because I'm hoping that somebody somewhere is going to hear this and say, I just need to do the right thing, whatever it is for mm-hmm. them. Like mm-hmm. you said, we can all, uh, we... Uh, as long as, would you say earlier, like, as long as we can live with our decisions. Yeah, uh, you can do anything you want to you can if you can any, live with right, them. Exactly. Um, but I got a feeling there's going to be some people listening to this, some, right, that have, uh, uh, that, that need to kind of look inside and say, uh, why am I doing this? All right, so, so what was the aftermath of that? And when I say the aftermath, uh, I, I'm assuming, you know, you're like sponsoring people at the time, you know, you're, you're thinking about your job. I mean, you know, did it turn out like, I know you had all these fears on the front end. Mm -hmm. Did it turn out that way on the back end? No, none of that stuff. Yeah. None of that stuff happened. Um, just, I mean, nothing but good things have come from this. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't mean, though, that every time we go around the room and say our sobriety date, I still don't feel a little pissed about it. Mm. You know, I, I, because, because it's just one of those things I'm like, golly, I wish. But I, I do feel like that's going to fade with time. Yeah. Um, but I will say that I feel free again. Yeah. And talk to me about that. So, like, what, what do you mean, like, uh, and... Okay, so obviously there was the uh, Jonesen, for lack of a better word, that was going on with the the opioids and stuff. Did that subside once you uh, came out with a new date? I mean, um, uh, 
I, I would say probably so, yes. So it was a, a, a titration, you know, with the medication. It wasn't a cold turkey type thing, you know. But but the thing was is that I no longer had control over my medication. I wasn't able to just take it. And, you know, I needed help with that. I knew that. And that's where I asked for help with my husband and my sponsor. Gotcha. And so when you say you felt free, uh-huh. you felt like you were being genuine. You were being vulnerable. You were being honest. Is that pretty much what it comes down to? Yeah. Yeah. I I just felt all the time during that period of time that that we just talked about. I mean, I felt this heaviness, this sense of just feeling lost, not belonging. Um, Some hopelessness started to come back. You know, all those things that like once we get sober and start working the steps, all those things that start to slip away, you know, in a good way, they started to come back a little bit at a time. And I realized I just, it's like I woke up one day and realized that I was living in so much darkness again, internally. And I did not want to live like that anymore. So to kind of wrap it up here, Mm -hmm. what sort of, is there a message you want to leave with people? Is there something in particular that you want to... Uh, make sure that uh, you think comes through as a central theme of your story? I think that, you know, something that I've really, I've ta- I know you and I have talked about it. I've talked to a few people about it. But something that I do want to say is that I do feel like at times we can get too tied to these dates, you mm-hmm. know, these sobriety dates. And while it is a huge accomplishment and it's something to be celebrated, it also there needs to be caution around it becoming our identity. Um, And I think what happened to me was that I was so tied to that date that I felt like if I lost that, or if that were to change, then who would, who, who would I be? And who, what would I be? And what would people think of me and all of that, you know? And so I think that more than anything, what this has taught me is that all we have is today. And, You know, like you see people come in that have relapsed or need to change their date or whatever. And and, I mean, we don't see it a ton, but, you know, when we see people pick up those chips and we can see their faces and just like the despair and the shame that they feel when they pick up that chip, you know, I just want you guys and, and ladies, you know, you all to know that like we are celebrating you, you know. If you change your date, if you need to change your date or start over or whatever that looks like for you to be free, we celebrate that. And you're welcome to do that in AA and um, and in recovery. And I'm just like so grateful that I, you know, and like, like, sorry for talking, you know, a little bit being long winded here. But one thing also is that, you know, I, when I felt like I was going to be faced with so much judgment and shame, I have never felt more loved than the day that I changed my date. Right. I was just absolutely just an outpouring of love and support. Right. So I think we, I have to look within and really do the right thing by me, you know, and do what, what, what feels right to me. If that's changing your date, great. If it's not great, but I just had to follow my heart and that's what I did. And that's what I'm trying to do each day 
Well, I am uh, glad, so glad we got together here today. Um, I hope it was a good experience for you. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> good. <laughs> I'm glad it was fun. Uh, I hope you're okay with me laughing at your uh, uh, some of your antics, if you will. <laughs> some of those are pretty funny. Um, we always ended up with uh, page 164 from the big book. It says, abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely, surely or surely, uh, surely. Have you ever heard the joke, you know, don't call me Shirley, like from the (laughs) airplane? I just thought of that for the very first time. So anyway, and you will surely meet some of us. As you trudge, like like me and Sarah G, as you trudge the road of happy destiny, may God bless you and keep you until then. Oh, man, I forgot to hit the record button. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. That would John be a drag. <laughs> have I you ever done you. that? Uh, I have. I have. <laughs> and it is sucks. <laughs> well, and I'll I'll tell you more about that later. But anyway, God bless you. Thank you for joining me today, Sarah. Thank you. Once again, Sarah G, I so much enjoyed our time together. Thank you for sharing your experience, strength, and hope. And if you are out there and you say to yourself, I really think a friend or family member should hear that episode and maybe Sarah's last episode as well. Please take some time to pause your device, unless you're driving. Don't, you know, don't do that then. But pause your device, hit that little share button and send that to the friend or family member. That episode may be just what they need to hear today. Now, on to a little bit of listener feedback. Rita writes in, and Rita says, good morning, three exclamation points. She must have had her coffee already. She says, my sober date is March 8th, 2022, and I live in Philadelphia, PA. I have a sponsor who knows she's my sponsor. (laughs) That is kind of funny. I've had it before to where somebody comes up to me and says, uh, hey, John M., I was talking to somebody the other day, and uh, they said that you were their sponsor, and I was glad to hear that. I'm, I'm scratching my head and said, I don't think I've talked to that guy in a couple years, but I'm glad he considers me a sponsor, I guess. Anyway, but I get that. A sponsor who knows she's your sponsor, Rita. Anyway, she says, I attended, I attended meetings five days a week, and I did six and a half months of meetings every day. I'm on step eight right now and excited to move on to step nine. I'm learning so much about myself through the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. I found Sober Speak on, the, on Spotify. Well, Rita, I'm glad you found us on Spotify, and I'm glad we can 
supplement uh, your sobriety and uh, good luck. Uh, let me see here. So now it'll be March 8th. So another few months and you will be into uh, one year sobriety. That sounds fantastic. I know we only do it one day at a time, but I'm just doing a little addition in my head. Rachel writes in, Rachel says, hi, John, I just wanted to thank you for the introductions. Oh, so this is somebody who, uh, oh yeah, in fact, I'm going to go to my phone here real quick uh, after I read this because Maria uh, sent me out a, a text on this this morning. Anyway, she says, I just wanted to thank you for the introductions. And what she's talking about here is I introduced Rachel to Maria uh, Maria has been on the podcast a couple of times before, and um, this lady uh, was looking for some uh, uh, help along the way, uh, somebody to talk to and somebody to guide her. She, so she says, I have spoken to Maria, and she has introduced me to someone here in Manchester. So she lives in Manchester, England. Although I was drunk during my cell phone call with Maria, I've had a few of those myself before in the past, uh, Rachel. She was lovely and understanding. Maria is who she's talking about. I have some days off the booze and attended my first online meeting yesterday. I fell back again today, but I'm having days off and working towards my goal is better than nothing at all, I suppose. It's a new day tomorrow. Thank you, and I look forward to more episodes of your podcast. Rachel. So let me uh, also read to you what uh, Maria sent to me earlier today. She says, to recap with Rachel, a woman, a woman in Manchester listens to a podcaster out of America, me, who reaches out to a fellow Texan, her, Maria, who reaches out to a friend in Manchester, who Maria knows, who connects with a suffering friend in Manchester. God must be smiling. I love my sobriety. That's great, Maria. And uh, that is, gosh, think about how these connections go. And uh, that's why we put this stuff out here and keep doing what we're doing. We just do the legwork and never know exactly where God is going to pick up and take over. And uh, thank you so much, everybody. I appreciate it. Rachel, Maria, the whole nine yards, whoever that other person is, uh, your, your, uh, your other friend in Manchester. Uh, I hope she's able to listen to this. Thanks, Rachel. Ryan writes in and he says, hi, John, I am from Sherwood, Sh excuse me, Sherwood Park, Alberta, Canada. I have just received my nine month chip last week. I'm 33 and things finally came to a point where I needed to find a way to stop down the path of destruction I was on. I found some great people uh, and meetings in Sherwood Park. My drive to work is an hour both ways, so I wanted to find a podcast on sobriety, and I stumbled across yours. I'm absolutely hooked. Every speaker has things that I can apply to my life and story. If I had to choose a favorite guest, I would say Matthew M., Charlie P., resonate with me, but David G., would be the one I felt I really identified with. Keep up the good work, John. You're touching so many lives with your great podcast, Ryan 
L. So David G, I think I copied, yes, in fact, I know I did. I copied you on this email to David G. And just so interesting, that was his wife that we just recorded an episode with here, uh, Sarah G. So anyway, Ryan, thanks for uh, writing in. I appreciate you. And uh, thanks for all your good words about the guest and uh, the podcast as well. Greg G writes in and Greg, Greg G says, thank you for making a podcast that respects their traditions. Well, you're welcome, Greg G. He says, much appreciated respectfully. Oh, and he says, I think your listeners tune in to hear AA talks, in particular, the classics like Joe and Charlie. I appreciate the upfront banter, and he's talking about me, far less and frankly dislike and fast forward through the informal conversations with Alkies that some episodes feature. I love and appreciate the AA quote leads, unquote, and I think that makes your show unique as others do in my circle. For what it's worth, Greg G. Uh, out of Chicago, uh, October 1982, and I'm assuming that's his sobriety date. I get it, Greg. Uh, you know, it's not the first time I've heard it, but I got to tell you this, though, Greg. I love your tone, and uh, I think that uh, that is... Uh, excellent way that's an excellent way to write in into i don't want to call it critical like just let your voice be heard i will take it under consideration i've taken a lot of things under consideration but uh, thank you for writing in and being uh, vulnerable and upfront mj writes in and mj says hi john i live in washington state i have been married for 32 years i am very recent on my sober journey my last time to drink was october 31st of 2022 oh so you're very recent she said i had my last drink around 10 years old and it was in 1974 at my cousin's wedding. I didn't really drink again until middle school. In high school, I would drink at parties and sometimes I would shoot up an orange. Oh, not shoot up. <laughs> I just going to say like, you know, shooting up. I would shoot up an orange with rum and take it to school. <laughs> That's good. I don't think I've ever heard of that one. <laughs> she said, uh, after marriage, I drank some mostly on weekends and always in excess. We have four kids ages 22 to 31. I didn't drink when I was pregnant or nursing for about 17 months of each pregnancy. 17 months of each. Oh, oh, wait a sec. I, I'm, I'm kind of adding, isn't it, for nine months apiece? Wouldn't that be uh, four? I, I don't know. The math is off to me, but nonetheless. She says, I definitely look forward to when it was time to drink again. Funny thing, in two of the births, my labor nurse was named Margarita. <laughs> <laughs> At least her name wasn't like Whiskey Sour or something like that. Anyway, she said, I told her as soon as I could, I was having one of her to drink. I think around the time uh, my mom passed in 2005, and that's when I started drinking every night. Well, at least the nights that I didn't have to take our kids to a dance, karate, gymnastics, or soccer. I know the routine. She says, excuse me. 
About 2013, I started drinking even more, and by 2008, it was every night. I didn't have an on and off switch. In fact, I didn't want to stop drinking for the night. I haven't had a rock bottom drinking moment, but I pretty much drank until I black out or pass out. I guess about six months ago, I knew I was ready. I was. I knew I was drinking way too much. My heart and head knew it was time to stop, but I wasn't ready. We had a big birthday bash for me over the Hall- Halloween weekend, and I told myself a week before the party it was time. I would quit after the party. November first, I joined Reframe. And I don't know what Reframe is, but I am just going to assume that that is a, some sort of a non-drinking program uh, that, that helps people quit drinking. And, he, and she says, thinking now that I would uh, just cut back instead of the NA plan, she said I was chickening out. I know I'm an alcoholic and I do not have control. Alcohol was... Uh, Alcohol was in control of me, and it was going to take me down. I decided then and there I must quit, and I did. Someone on the reframe, someone on reframe, so it must be an online thing, mentioned Sober Speak, and I started listening from the oldest to the newest. I like hearing other stories and how they have been sober. Every one of them reaches me, sometimes a little and sometimes a lot. I really thought Chad was funny. I like all the laughter. She's talking about, gosh, Chad is, the name of his episode is West Texas O Tenor. And he was sometime within, I think the first 10 or 15 episodes that I did, did. And and Chad is, Chad is funny. In fact, he always says, uh, one of the things I like, he says that this time of year, November and December is our biggest membership drive <laughs> for Alcoholics Anonymous. Like, it's funny, just in case you don't know, we really don't have membership drives. But if we were going to pick a time of year, this would be the time you want to bring people in. Anyway, she says, I downloaded the big book and I started listening. I also bought a copy. First thing in the morning, I write my intention not to drink. If I do not do that, I know I won't. I do meditations, visualizations, and exercise. If I get triggered, I have a lot of things ready to go to, one of which is to go to into my she shed and blast Peter Frampton. I like that. She says, thank you for making the podcast, uh, exclamation point, exclamation point. And then she says, thank you for listening, uh, exclamation point. And then she put in parentheses, Frasier. I'm assuming that, uh, I remember that, that, uh, there was a TV show called Frasier and I'm assuming that he would say, thanks for listening. Uh, but I'm not completely sure. And then she signs it, MJ. P.S. I will follow you on Instagram when I can figure out how to change my name. So I, it must be a technical issue she's got going there. But MJ, muchas gracias. There's my bilinguality coming at everyone. I don't mean to uh, show up everybody with my skills, but sometimes I just got to do it. 
All right, everybody, that is another episode in conclusion, in the can, uh, in the books, or on the books. So keep coming back. It works if you work, work it. Um, oh, gosh, I can never remember the other thing I like to say. Oh, uh, may God bless you and keep you until then. And then, as everyone knows, well, some of you may know, some of you may not care. I take this one week at a time. I hope to be back behind the golden mic (laughs) next week. But if I'm not here, life will go on. You guys will find something else to listen to. I have no doubt in my mind. (laughs) So anyway, uh, love to all of you. Take care. Bye-bye.